0: The Last Supper was Steph Tososa. Thanks for dropping by. Come and sass Steph's live spice. All her socials at spicysteff.com. Today on the Last Supper, I have a lady by the name of Amarel Dempster, and I just love her name. Amarel's a driving force behind the local renaissance in the way food is grown, sold, and eaten, and runs a slow food earth market at the levee in Maitland every second Thursday. So at these markets, you can buy everything that's seasonal, the producers picked that day by the local farmers, then they hang around for a yarn and how to best to serve and prepare it. But what I really want to know is how she got to do that in the first place. Hi Amarela, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. <laughs> that's great. You've gone from one extreme to the other with your profession, haven't you? Like... Uh- Mel's done a little bit of research for me saying that you used to be this high-flying marketing professional in the middle of Sydney. I think I was.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I came out of, um, you know, university and, and I always wanted to be in marketing, so that's what I did. And, mm. um, and then I sort of progressed from working in advertising, you know, John um just when I was sort of um, doing my degree and yeah. so loved advertising, but then I really liked Actually, the whole process of marketing, you know, um, finding the need and doing all of that. And, and also in advertising, you know, you have to promote particular products. And, you know, I am there when the plastic bag was introduced to supermarkets in 1981. Wow. Which seems like a long time ago. It does, but, you know, 40, but it's not. But 40 years down the track, I think I'm now working in not-for-profit um yeah you know and and uh, working in areas where and supporting causes where we're trying to get rid of the plastic bag and i think this is sort of a little bit of a well i think i've had a you know a bit of self searching and realized that um, that i had to redress this situation in any small way i can and that's what i'm doing now yeah, i think
0: that's interesting isn't it that you were you have gone yeah. from one extreme to the other with that and i you know yeah. we can't even imagine Marketing a plastic bag now, like how would you even market a plastic bag now?
1: I know what were we thinking then? You know, like it and the, and the campaign um, to the grocery, um, you know, sector of the market was Superman with the bag, you know, the gusseted bag um, as his cape, you know, flying through the air and going here. Look at this wonderful! And I remember working in advertising. You know, we're just sort of junior staff, really, and we um, the women. Uh, with you know the grocery shopping was seen as something women did so you know in the 80s so we would um, we were filled these bags were filled with 12 and a half kilos of, gro- of stuff yeah and we carried them up and down the corridors just doing just to make sure that women could carry 12 and a half wow. kilos of groceries in these plastic bags Far and, you out. Know, we've come a long
0: way haven't we
1: we've come a long way <laughs> well we have we or haven't we, you know, oh, we I destroyed don't know. the planet in the last last 40 years and you know and now we now we're trying to redress it and hopefully this is, this will happen
0: yeah that's true I, it's really interesting i i spent some time living in vanuatu a long time ago in the late 90s mm. and the expats that lived there used to because you get quite frustrated sometimes with the pace mm. of how of the how the knee vans used to work because they were quite slow. They were on the island time. And yeah. they the expats used to say, you know, you have to remember they were 40 years from pitchfork to fork yeah. in their yeah. hand. It was only 40 yeah. years that, that that happened. So when yeah. I think about how a race can evolve in that time, mm. over 40 years for us, we have done, I guess, a similar thing. A similar thing, yeah. And, and with... Um You know, but,
1: but there's signs and the scientists were talking about it, you know, 40 years ago. Mm -hmm. And, um, and my husband's a scientist. So, you know, friends would gather around the table and they'd talk about, you know, that Australia's a very dry continent. There's these signs that, you know, these, these, there's going to be severe climatic changes coming. And these these conversations were just sort of over a drink. And, you know, these are things that they were studying at the time and, you know, researching. And um and you know, talking about, you know, the effects of that on the planet and, and the effects of human be you know, what's happening, you know, in terms of development of what we're doing to the planet and, and of course 40 years later, you know, these scientists now are older men and yeah. uh, and they're and they're going, but well, we talked about this then, you know, and no one took any notice of it. Mm, and um, it? yeah, so but it's it's you know, we, we now you know, I think the, my certainly my children's generation, are, um, they're, they're certainly much more conscious of what they're going to inherit, and while they're angry. I think with what we've left them behind, what we've let, what we've done. Yeah. Um, I think they can see that. You know, people like myself, we're out there. You know, trying to trying to redress some of those um, some of the damage that has been
0: caused. So, hopefully. Uh, we
1: leave them with a planet
0: of hope. Uh, and hopefully, we we leave them with, um, by enabling them to continue the battle and the fight against all of the things that we have done. I think that's probably one of the greatest gifts we can give them is, in, is enabling them.
1: Yes, I think so. Mm. I think so. I think so. Giving them hope as well. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think hope is really important. And yeah. To know that they, they have the power really to to do to make change for them as well. Yeah. Not just you know, not just sitting there complaining about it. Absolutely. Complaining about their parents' separation <laughs> <Yeah>. Yes.
0: <laughs> was was this was this part of like your change? Was that what one of the things that drew you back or drew you to Maitland and, and to farm life?
1: Yeah, well, we, um, moved from Sydney, of course, you know, we, um, uh, moved from Sydney to, to live on a farm to bring the children up. We felt that when my son was in high school, we needed to have, make a change that, the, that we were, that, you know, that I was sick of going from dance class to judo class to, to some other class yeah. and taking my children and driving around. And I felt that that was not really fitted in with with what we wanted for the children, yeah. so we had to make a complete break so we were so we, we made a we, we made this amazing decision that my fa- husband always wanted to live on a farm so yeah. we moved to the farm in the hunter valley in a in a small town not far from Maitland wow. and um, yeah and you know and children grow and they grow and um, and we got older so we decided that we would move into town and um, and um, into into the closest town which is Maitland. Mm so we um we moved to Maitland about um nine years ago okay. um, Maitland uh, was the, was where we would shop anyway so and I used to come in to the into town and see that Maitland was surrounded by this amazing farmland and this these river flats and um, just incredibly beautiful rush pastures and I could see that there was all these sort of um areas that just weren't growing food you know they were growing turf and they were growing and I said where were all the farmers you know when I got to Maitland and so I was like a mission like on this real mission to to start growing food and then I learned that Maitland had this incredible rich history of farming and um and you know two wholesale markets that were right near the station etc.
0: Ah I see so it was it was that's that's what it took you on this journey of um, I guess yeah. being the driving force behind this amazing um, slow food movement that that's happened yeah. in Maitland.
1: So so I'd been part of the slow Food movement in Sydney when I lived in Sydney. So when I came to Maitland, um, there was you know there was a need to to find a vehicle really for me to to start working on you know finding good what we call good clean and fair food. For everyone, that was yeah. that's the philosophy of slow food. So I was like, so we said. So a friend of mine, Carolyn, got who um, had a business here in Maitland, and and she and I got together with a group of other like-minded people, and we started um, Slow Food Hunter Valley. And uh, and of course, um, subsequently, um, you know, when Carolyn finished her term as leader, I became the leader, and um, and um, started to work slowly about, you know bringing fresh food to the people of Mason.
0: So what was the first thing um, you did as part of this movement? What, what was the launch pad?
1: Well, the launch pad, really, i have been, been plugging away, plugging away for a long time, with, you know, doing stuff. And uh, and then we had this, this farmer, this one farmer who came to me and um, I found out, I sort of became quite interested in food waste at the farm gate. You know, okay. like a, a lot of food that, Small farmers around were growing, but they had nowhere to sell it. And then I came across, we had a flood, a really bad flood here in Maitland, And um, in, I think it was in 2016. Yeah. And the, a local farmer's crop of pumpkins, um, 20 ton of pumpkins, was about to be ploughed in. I, just, I found out that it was about to be ploughed in. So mm. I, um, I sort of there was said, you know that aha moment that happens? Yeah. And I was on my way to Sydney for an appointment and I stopped halfway um, on the Central Coast and I was just at this instant sort of, um, I must do something about this 20 tonne of pumpkin because <laughs> this is the catalyst. So I rang Maitland, you know, mark, marketing to Rachel, which was, who's the fantastic um, person in charge of marketing for Maitland, and I said, Rachel, I've got this idea. I need to create a pop-up store Right in the middle of Maitland, and I want to be able to sell this 20 ton of pumpkins, <laughs> and I need to do it now. and Did she before. say
0: you have lost the plot? <laughs>
1: Probably mad, but you know, it was incredible. She and her team, all the staff, you know, like with traffic control, because you know, we had no idea um how we were going to sell this stuff, of course, so we. So, you know, which is, so they, they organized it all really quickly, like, you know, traffic management, wow. um, a, a location right in, in the levee, right in the levee, which is for me the heart of Maitland. Yes. And um, so, yeah, so the volunteers have got together and that was the, the first, that week that I called her. Then on the Sunday I sent out a press release to our local paper, the Maitland Mercury, who then shared it also with the Newcastle Herald they went around and took some photos, they ran story in that week. Um, and then bingo on on the Thursday we set up so the volunteers came along, we asked some people in the community and we set up this stall and the father the day before had said to me, How many do you reckon that we will sell? And he said, Look, I've got two youths, we'll um fulfill we'll the youths up and I said, Are you sure? And I said, About how many pumpkins is that? He said, "Oh, about three I said, "Look, we've had a little bit of publicity, you know, in the Newcastle Herald. They ran it on the front page, you know, that you know, all these sort of terrible things about weight way- food waste. Um, what are you seeing?" And he said, "Look, I'll get three fifty, and we should be right." Yeah. And so we set up this stall, and honestly, by so we set up about six thirty, and um, it was June. It was cold, but it was a beautiful, sunny day, and um, and from about seven thirty we started seeing these sort of cars lining up along there because it's only oh, a one way, sort of just completely lining up and, there was this, and we said, what are you here for? And they said, oh, open it, you know, they kept opening their booths they said, oh, we want eight and we want ten and we want... This. So oh, all the people goodness. around in the offices had decided they would all buy a pumpkin to save the farmer. Oh, And so wow. by, by about 8.30, we sold a lot. And so we were like in complete panic because people were starting to to come on buses, you know, the oh, public buses no. were sort of, so we had this, incre- and people were just starting to mill around the levy and, and sort of wanting to buy pumpkins, the local member of the parliament turned up, <laughs> and we were like, oh my God, what's going on? So then we had to go to the Department, right, okay, who we in the community, so we rang around all our friends in the community, quick, if you've got a car, you've got to use, go down to the... To the address in Morcus you know, in Marcus Road, and start just help pick
0: bring pumpkins. the pumpkins so to town.
1: Pick and filling, and there was just this convoy of cars that just kept bringing pumpkins, filling up the stand And people just queued up. People were so fantastic; they queued up all around the block. It was a warm, sunny day, and just they just queued up and just bought pumpkins all day.
0: Unbelievable! So and did you so, sell all of
1: them? We sold. We sold about three quarters of them, wow. and then the rest of them, um, different schools, sort of took them and sold them as a you know, drive. People were just fantastic. Um, you know, um, a friend of mine has um, pastor media down in Sydney. She took a whole, um, you know, a couple of those. There's a bakery in Sydney, um, you know, who in Bronte who took took a whole lot of um, pumpkins as well. So it was just, it was just amazing. It, it is
0: incredible fabulous. what a community community can do, isn't it, when they put their minds to it? Yeah, but from
1: that, of course, people said, well, how come we can't access this food ourselves? You know, how come we can't get the pumpkins? You know, where are these pumpkins going? And what happens is that when a farmer grows, you know, such a big crop of pumpkins, it has to go to the wholesale market. So he's got to sell it to the agent or he's got to sell it to the Newcastle market or send it to Sydney. And often what happens is, and this is the problem with small-scale farmers, that they if the pumpkins these pumpkins had mud on them, the you know, the wholesalers wanted them washed and polished before they would take them. Yeah. And often, you know, they and then if they don't sell them, they just come back or they get they get dumped, you know, into um, into big landfills, you know, into landfill. And so that suddenly it occurred, you know, like from that came it was the catalyst for saying, Okay, we need to create a market right in the heart of our town that where we can, where these far, small scale farmers can bring their produce to the market and people really, really want it. Maitland's got something to history of farming that there's enough people who are still in a slightly older age group yeah. who have, who have, who remember fresh food come in, being able to buy fresh food in this town. Yeah. And so, So the levy was the perfect place for us to set it up, and council being incredibly supportive, and you know, works in collaboration with us to allow us to have space, um, provides us with power, and um, all our volunteers come down. We set up the market, and it doesn't cost anything for the farmers to come. But then we work on the principles of the slow food um, ethos of. Um, you've got to be, you know, you can only sell product there. It must be grown locally. Yeah. You must be the farmer that sells it and you must, you know, you must be there to sell it because we want the customer to know where that food is coming from. And, um, and you know, it sounds uh, wonderful. I think it's a success.
0: It is an absolute success. And I think the reason it's a success is because of the community involvement. I think unless you get a community on board, then these things – They can't work, can they?
1: No, but it's um, the community, you know, like it's really interesting that um, we fill the void, you know, we fill that void and the community really wanted it. And if I, you know, if I go back to my marketing training, you know, you find the need and you supply that need. So for me, this is a, you know, this is a beautiful way to use my marketing skills. Absolutely. Um, To to you know to fulfill the to fulfill the need, but the need nourishes people. Uh, It brings people together. It gives people an opportunity to come into you know feel part of their town um, and to feel really proud of you know what they have.
0: Yeah, and the old um, adage of build it and they will come um, has has worked beautifully in this situation.
1: I think I think it has. Mm. I think it has. You know I think. I think communities often, you know, when we first started the market um, in the levee, we uh, did we you know they were we, we just had a handful of three, you know, just three farmers um, who, whom we could get. Now we've got we're up to fifteen, so we've gone from just just fruit and vegetables to um, <laughs> to to a baker, yeah. you know, a, a biodynamic baker, who you know who sells out in no time. I mean. He can, uh, he's only got capacity for one single baker. So, you know, he brings enough. But we, he could probably sell three times as much. But people come, they queue up, they're happy to just take one loaf, you know, instead of having multiple loaves. And we just support, um, and that's just beautiful. You know, yeah. we, we're about to get a beef supplier. Oh, um, wow. Local young couple who who have um, bought a farm not, not very far from mainland who are, who are now you know, building their capacity to come to market, in, you know, at the end of June. Um, the market is a fresh, basically a fresh food market, but um, we allow 10% of it to be a transformed product. So we have um, um, a lady who has recipes from her grandmother who uses the excess from the farm to bring, um, to, to convert that into jams, chutneys and really beautiful, old-fashioned, pickles, oh, um, etc. And she sells those there. and because of, we can track the whole process from the, the fruit or the vegetable to the bottle. Um, she's allowed to come, for example. Um, we have, and we're developing an incredible range of garlic producers, you know, growing about five varieties of garlic now here in in the local area. And, um, and I mean, you know, that's, it's fantastic as well,
0: and they're, they're these beautiful little niche markets that just feed the community, which is amazing.
1: Well, I, and I think you know, forty percent of our farmers, so that's about eight six of them, are all under thirty-five. So, oh, really? That's um, amazing. They, yeah, that's so. They've all come from from the earth market. Really, because um, because they've seen that there is an opportunity. Yeah. Um, so, some people, you know, some old farmers have, or people who have land have, have, have leased some land to these young farmers. Um, one of our farmers has come from, you know, the family has a farm and he's um, a science teacher come and now is growing food on the family farm and is seeing the opportunities. Um, but, you know, it's not, you know, the levee is the central place, but I see it as farmers, but this is your opportunity now to not have to deal with the wholesalers and, you know, deal with those bigger ranges. You know, you can now sell it direct to
0: the yeah. customers. And keep the it profit to the for restaurant. themselves.
1: Exactly. Mm. exactly. And the other good thing that's come is that you know, the, the farmers were growing, like the, you know, the main farmer say was growing pumpkins. He was growing five large scale crops, so like pumpkins, cauliflowers, potatoes, pumpkins, one other broccoli mm-hmm. so but now what's happened is incredible biodiversity So one of the slow foods um you know we protect and uh, protect and promote biodiversity and now he's growing 40 different varieties of food on his farm oh, so wow, what we've that's done amazing. is incredible so people come to market and they can you just don't get one lot of you know turnips we have got pink turnips white turnips you know and people have you know, people before have never seen all these. You no. know, eggplants might come in five variety. And it makes and, food fun um,
0: and exciting, doesn't it?
1: Food, you know, on plates is so much colour now. Because, mm. you know, you can buy per, every colour, carrot, yes. for example. And people in England have never seen this variety. So they're just lapping it up, with just. It's just set out completely.
0: That's amazing. So tell me, given your beautiful market and all the beautiful food you have access to up there, have you thought yep. about what your last supper might be?
1: Well, you know what? I I think my last supper will be something really clean. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm thinking of a beautiful broth, mm. a beautiful chicken broth. It's an organic chicken, of course. Of course. Um, mm. And some of these these absolutely beautiful coloured vegetables. Just just sort of lightly simmered and just in this beautiful bowl with a clear broth and gorgeous colour. And yeah, that's I you know, and, and I'm thinking that it needs to be, you know, flavoured with some of my because I am originally from Sri Lanka. So i, I think thought I I detected flavors. a little
0: accent there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah, so um it's been, yeah. Um, so um, I'm thinking that it would have to be, you know, there'd be some curry leaf in it, there'd be some um, some lemongrass and maybe a touch of cinnamon. Oh,
0: so yeah.
1: so something just really warming with the spices and um, maybe a heat of chilli, but, but really clear, clean beautiful
0: flavors. Mm, you think beautiful. I've thought
1: through, haven't yeah, I? Yeah, I
0: think so. I think you have. <laughs> but it's really interesting how you um, – I've been to Sri Lanka and um, my my holidays always revolve around the food and the food culture and it, it's interesting how places like Sri Lanka and India are very much a slow food. Haven. Yeah, they are. But by um, – naturally, naturally. You know, they haven't yeah. gone to yeah. these big supermarkets. They still are, you know, they still buy locally. It's little carts on the side of the road that people collect their food yeah. from. You know, the, the person who has caught the fish walks around with a bucket of fish and knocks on your door and, and sells it to yeah. you. And it's it, yeah. it really is an amazing way to eat. And it's so seasonal and so good for you, which is lovely.
1: Well, I think, you know, that's where I came from and that's, you know, and my mother – my father was a great shopper for food, and my mother was a great cook, of course. Mm. And um, and you know, we we only ate sea mud crab when it was season. Absolutely. And we'd hear the sound of the crab in the in the aluminium pot <laughs> being, you know, on uh, being, you know, someone carrying it on their being head it delivered. Yes.
0: Walking.
1: And we'd hear the sound, and we'd go, "Oh my!" You know, like it's it's crab time. Yeah. And we knew that that day that's. Um, you know, that afternoon when we came back to school, there'd be this incredible. And that just curry. makes it
0: special, doesn't it? When you don't have something all the time, it makes yes. it special. It's like um, eating turkey at Christmas time. You know, most people yes, don't absolutely. eat turkey on a regular, but Christmas time no. it's special. But all our food can be like that if it if we be. eat seasonally. Um, yeah. And locally as well, it makes yep. it makes the pleasure so much more.
1: Yeah, I think so. I oh. think that that's, that's where we're going back
0: to. I hope so. And let's hope we stay there. Thank you, yeah. Amarelle, so much for coming on the Last Supper podcast today. I really appreciate it. And I am now on a mission to get up to your market and um, to buy some produce for myself.
1: Oh, well, that's, that's great. We will look forward to letting you let know when you're coming. It's, I will, uh, I will. I'll we'll let you know. Maybe we can have a cup sir, of coffee
0: sir, while I'm there. That'd be great. That'd be great. <laughs> that'd be great. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Take care. Bye-bye.
1: Bye-bye.
0: Grab a wine and DM Steph. She'd love to hear what your last supper would be and what wine you're drinking.